I'm Gavin Scott, your host. Welcome to the Stay Outstanding podcast, the show that shares wisdom and gifts knowledge, motivates you to be your authentic self, influences you to fulfill your true potential, encourages you to take action, and inspires you to step into your greatness. Welcome back, everybody. Um, I'm pleased to introduce you to today's guest, who is an executive coach and author, uh, Terry McDougall. How are you today, Terry? Gavin, I'm great. It's really good to be here with you. It's great to be here with you also. The, the, the universe could have had something else planned for us, but instead they planned for us to be here. So here we are. Yep. <laughs> Very grateful for that. Um, as an executive coach, you would have sort of what I would see as a wholesome approach. But within that wholesome approach, there's going to be some speciality. So why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about your specialities? Yeah, well, so I um, work with people who I call successful, but not satisfied. So they tend to be high achievers. And uh, a lot of times they'll get to a point where, you know, they, they keep chasing that brass ring and they wake up one day and they're like, okay, from the outside, I look successful, but inside I'm feeling a lot of stress, anxiety, burnout. Sometimes there may be some problems with health or relationships. And so what I try to help people do is to increase that overlap between their professional success and their personal happiness. And we do this by shifting their mindset to recognize that perhaps what they've been doing up until now, that maybe there's a better way and that it is possible to be more in the flow by learning some new skills um, and maybe zooming out of their situation to see the bigger picture um, so that they can have the success that they crave, but also do it within parameters that enable them to have a happier and more fulfilling life outside of work as well. Let me just take that in. Happier and more fulfilling life outside of work through the application of mindset to your work. Mindset and learning some skills as well, because as um, people rise within organizations, typically people that are good individual contributors will get elevated into management roles. And unfortunately, one of the things that I've seen both in my own career, but also with many of the people that I coached is that a lot of companies do not have any kind of training around how to be an effective manager. And so people will you know, a lot of times they'll just model <clears throat> management or leadership behavior that they've seen other people use, which may or may not be effective. And, um, or they don't really understand how to leverage all the resources that they've been entrusted with as they rise within the organization, and therefore really try to shoulder a lot of the uh, burden on their own, or they use ineffective leadership techniques um, most of the time unconsciously to try to motivate people under them. And so they're, they don't get the kind of productivity out of themselves or their teams that 
is completely possible, but it's it's almost as if they've got blinders on and they don't see some of the opportunities that they have in front of them to get productivity without so much grind. Mm. Now that is such an interesting topic to me right now because I'm actually reading Ewan McGregor's book, Essentialism, which is all about doing less to achieve more. Mm-hmm. And um, I would suggest that our listeners and many people out there, if you had a conversation with them about doing less to achieve more, they would at the very first instance demonstrate an element of resistance. Yes, absolutely. And it's funny, as a coach, you can't actually flex that resistance. You can only kind of say, well, here are some different perspectives. Do you now choose to flex that resistance? You know, you can't yeah. take somebody else's resistance and flex it for them, right? Yeah, um, it's it often, I mean, if you, I kind of think of it as like a tug of war, right? If you, if you, if somebody is resistant and you decide to pick up the other end of the tug of war rope and pull it to try to pull them forward, they're just going to pull in the opposite direction. You know, people can only, I mean, when you get right down to it, people can only motivate themselves, you know, as leaders or as coaches, we can just give people the opportunity to decide to change, to decide to shift their mindset. And I feel like what I do as a coach is hold the mirror up and really show them the the cost of what they've been doing. And most of the time when people um, either are given coaching by their organization or they seek it out on their own, it's because they are feeling some pain, right? They've tried, they have a goal, they've been trying to reach that goal and they're frustrated because they've tried everything they can think of to get there and it's not working. And so they start to think like, well, maybe there is another way. Um, and being able to, you know, I, I always say like the first step is to really get clear on the goal. And often people aren't clear on their goal. All they know is that they're feeling a lot of pain and they they really relate to the pain. And I often in the first session or in the exploratory calls with people, they'll t- tell me all about their pain. And that's great. It's important to get in touch with that. But at some point we have to flip the table and say, okay, we know what you don't want. We know what you're trying to get away from, but let's let's stop looking over our shoulder and look forward and say, what are we going towards? And then once we do that, we can start envisioning, okay, what are the steps that we need to take to get there? And incredibly importantly, and I think you'll totally agree with this, is that you have to shift the mindset to believe that that goal is possible. We might not know exactly how it's going to happen, but we have to shift to believe it's possible because we could have all of the resources in front of us. And if we did not believe something was possible, it will not happen. And and the funny thing is, is even if it does happen, if you don't believe it's possible, you won't see that that opportunity or that goal is right in front of you. You could be like an inch from the finish line and you won't walk over it because you don't believe it's possible. 
Absolutely. Um, I know that what you're saying is the truth because I've been there myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I'm still working on it. There are still times when I catch myself not believing. Yes. I think to myself, hang on a second. This is the passion. This is the purpose. These are the challenges. These are the pain points. Yes. Now, how do I get to the final hurdle? And the only way is to actually take every step with complete faith and belief. And um, if it's not complete and it's just the person forcing that faith or belief on themselves for a temporary moment yeah. that they can yeah, yeah, yeah. satisfy the resistance or the mm-hmm. sense of fulfillment, then they will fail. And it's it's really something that's totally interesting. Um, as you know, I'm swimming from Spain to Morocco to raise awareness around plastic pollution. And before that even started, I said to myself and said to close people in my proximity, if the worst thing to come out of the pandemic is that I become in good health, that I have better health, that I create a healthy lifestyle, then I would be satisfied with that Mm -hmm. as an outcome. I wasn't looking at the whole picture I chose to look in specifically at one area. And I meant it with complete and utter faith and belief. And here I am still doing that. Every day I'm swimming, every day I'm doing yoga, every day I'm doing meditation and everything else that goes along with the challenge of an open water marathon when you're not a professional uh, swimmer. And uh, I'm doing it. And... I take that belief and I put that alongside the belief that I use sometimes in other goals. And I'm like, well, hang on a sec. This belief is different. It's not that you're saying the belief any differently. It's that in your stomach and in your heart, it's not connecting despite saying it. So what's the truth? Do you completely believe and have faith? And it's it's one of those things, you know, you talk to people that don't really, I guess, work with this stuff like you and I on a day-to-day basis. And you start using the word faith and maybe their resistance brings up religion. Maybe Mm -hmm. the resistance brings up, what is this faith talking about? So many levels of resistance, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I completely agree with you. It was my long answer. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, it's so interesting, you know, just everything that you brought up. And I mean, the first thing that I would say is that uh, we never graduate from self-awareness, right? So, So even if we get to a certain level of consciousness, there's always higher levels to go to. And, you know, as humans, we're on a daily basis faced with challenges that sometimes knock us back and we have to like travel roads that we had already covered. Um, but it's it's really about realizing that this journey really never ends. We just, and it, I don't think there's anything, you know, depressing about that because if it ends, that means that you're dead, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's, I think that it's exciting to say, 
Yeah, in the physical sense, that's right. Um, and I think that um, it's it, if we can kind of flip it and say, well, okay, what are the challenges that I'm going to be faced with? I mean, I've had some really miserable things happen to me in my career and in my life. But, you know, when I think back over my career, some of the worst experiences I learned the most from. Um, and they're the and I'm I'm also the proudest of having, you know, survived and learned the lessons that served me better in the future from those experiences. It's not fun when you're going through it, but if we can look at things that happen and say, you know, maybe I don't feel grateful for this right now, but maybe at some point I will feel grateful for it. And, uh, it, and it's all about shifting how we look at things. I also think that it's very, very natural for people to approach the things we're talking about here skeptically. Um, I think that when, when we think negatively, we are doing that to try to protect ourselves from disappointment. And I personally think that it's kind of rooted in this, you know, maybe deep, deep down belief that, oh, I'm not worthy of good things, you know, and if we can start to realize that we're all here on earth for a purpose, I mean, maybe we don't know what it is yet. But we're here for a purpose and it's not accidental that you're here. You're not meant to be here on earth to just, you know, live a ho-hum life. You know, the, nobody sees the world the same way that you do or I do. Um, each person has their own gifts and it, it can be a little bit scary to actually recognize that there's a tremendous amount of power in that. Um, but if we can lean into it, to me, I feel like that's where true fulfillment and satisfaction comes from. Is that when we're we're like centered in what we're meant to do, and we're doing it, and we're helping people, or or we're you know fulfilling that mission. And you know, a lot of times we don't know what it is, right? But we know what it's not. You know, when you're when you're feeling that pain, that's not your mission. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was going to mention something. It's just escaped my mind for a millisecond. It's going to come back in two seconds. I think work is a big one. Whether you work in a corporation, whether you work in a startup, whether you work, say, as a freelancer in a nomadic lifestyle, mm -hmm. whatever nature of work it is that we are setting ourselves upon every day to complete within that daily time frame right and a lot of people come to me and I'm just going to refer back to the faith and the belief game for a second because you mentioned perhaps it's rooted in deep belief that I they are not worth it Mm -hmm. And one of the things that comes up 90% of the time, because I'm, it is so important in today's world, is financial freedom and financial mm -hmm. abundance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, we could sit here, close our eyes, chant, meditate, whatever, and visualize, affirm, and put everything into the idea that I will be a more fulfilled person when I have financial freedom and abundance. Mm 
if I was to attain financial mm-hmm. abundance. Mm-hmm. So the question to you that I'd like to pose is, how do you get the balance between achievements of work whilst creating a structure, because you don't have it day one, you have to create a structure, in order to keep stepping up into that platform that you were talking about, the graduation Mm -hmm. of Mm self-awareness, in Mm -hmm. order to get to the point where you, without doubt, without judgment, without resistance, without resentment, without any shadow of a doubt, with faith and belief, know that you are worth and you are due the financial Mm -hmm. success, abundance, and freedom that you crave. Yeah, wow. Well, it is definitely a balancing act. And I think that it does, um, it starts with being present with yourself. And I know you and I were talking earlier about um, meditation, right? And I think just being in contact with yourself. I mean, so often, especially nowadays, we there's so many distractions outside of us, right? The social media and the, you know, endless amount of bingeable television and, you know, everything around us and um, lots of opportunities to compare ourselves to other people and to say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not measuring up to this person or that person. But there's an incredible amount of power within each of us. And we are all connected to something bigger than us. If we're willing to, you know, be quiet and really kind of go inside and get in in connection with that power, it can start to guide us in the direction that we can start to feel like, am I going in the right direction? What is it that I really want? Um, I think that presence is is important. And then the the tough the tough thing I think that can be um, hard is like getting clear on the goal. And we don't always know exactly what it is, but we can start moving in a direction that feels right and give ourselves permission along the way to take a side road or or take a left turn if that feels like that's that's more um, authentic at that point. But not to get ahead of ourselves, not to lose connection with ourselves. And, you know, I I think it's um, it's not what other people say to us. I mean, yes, of course, it can be hurtful if you're working really hard at work and your boss doesn't give you a good... performance rating or that, you know, you go for a job and you don't get it. It feels, it doesn't feel good, right? But don't allow that to define you, you know, allow yourself to define you. And, you know, I will say to people, you know, it's not what happens to you that actually hurts you. It's what you think about what happens to you that hurts you. So if something happens and you say, oh, that happened because I'm not good enough or that happened because you know somebody else is better or whatever, that's the thing that hurts. And if we can talk to ourselves at, you know, when we're disappointed or when we run into hardships, if we can talk to ourselves the way that we would talk to a good friend, that's a good, you know, that's, 
developing that positive self-talk is a very important skill to, you know, instead of saying, oh, what an idiot, you know, you're a bonehead, you did horrible at that presentation or you you bombed in that interview. Well, maybe you did, right? But is that how you would talk to your child or your best friend if they had a disappointment? You'd probably say, you know, well, you know, you'll do better next time or what did you learn from it? Um, you know, if we can be kind to ourselves, that that enables us to preserve energy to be used for productive activities rather than, you know, just burning up energy on worry or, you know, self-flagellation. I mean, that's just useless, honestly. And it's, it's very, it's very negative. Um, but, uh, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier is that this is a journey we have to begin again every single day. You know, we can't just say, okay, hey, tomorrow I'm going to get there and I'm going to be a millionaire and everything's going to be on easy street. You know, the reality is that um, financial abundance does not in, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't have worries. I mean, there's just look at the newspaper <laughs> any, any day, right? Like lots of very wealthy people are embroiled in lots of drama and, you know, legal issues and so forth. Um, we can, and, and I guess the other thing too, is that, you know, it's not the money that, brings us happiness, right? We can be happy today. We can be happy on our journey. Um, and if we can try to develop this mindset of, of gratitude around what we're experiencing every day, and even, like I said earlier, even if it's something that, you know, doesn't feel good or it's negative, that maybe we can start to imagine, like, what am I learning from this? Like, how am I being strengthened and prepared for things that I may, uh, face in the future by what I'm going through right now. And it's rich. It's it can be exciting. Um, I would love for you to unravel my own conundrum. <laughs> I, give, I give that a good go every day. But it's for anyone out there that's listening to this conversation. I think uh, Terry just raised a very important point, which is that there is no immediate solution. Even when you get there, you're still going to be pulled back. And it's simply about having the right mindset to shift into the right gear at the right time, depending on what the needs or constraints are of that predicament or scenario. Um, as you said, some of the world's top, top, top billionaires find themselves in great stress situations, which they've not prepared themselves for. And we all look at them thinking they have the most financial abundance in the, in the universe. But in fact, they don't, because effectively, most of them, I believe, would have a lot more time constraints than we do. So... It, it, it's an interesting topic where then balance lies. Um, I'm always telling people that the foundation is the most important part. So let's not worry about money today or huge sums of money. 
Let's take the first step for money. Let's take the first step for self-awareness. Yeah. Let's take the first step for acknowledging others. Let's take the first step for gratitude. And, you know, what's really interesting in my experience, in my own journey, is I've put in these really strong foundations and I've gone up to the next level and I've got, yeah, I'm here. And then I put in some more foundations and I've gone up to the next level. Yeah. Without even thinking that it was possible. Even though I created those foundations mm -hmm. over, yeah. and over and over again, I've slipped, I've fallen, and I've gone straight back down to the bottom. And I've gone, you know, I'm kind of scratching my head thinking, I'm sure I built this right, you know? Like, <laughs> and it's, the as you say, at that point in time, you either have the self-awareness to say, okay, this has happened. It's happened to challenge me. It's happened... If you can see the reason, great. Often you can't. But start building again. You know, like as humans, particularly in this era or this day and age, if you were to go out for a drive or a long journey somewhere, you would see thousands of people constructing buildings of some nature. So mm -hmm. as humans, we're always building. And I think mm -hmm. it's so, I mean, even kids, right? Kids love to build. Mm -hmm. They love that stuff that we know and call as Lego. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They all used it when we were kids. Sure. We love to build. Now, if you've ever watched kids play with Lego, you've seen it like, be built up into something. Sometimes it looks magnificent. Sometimes it just looks like something. But <laughs> <laughs> you've seen it built up. And then with, within seconds, you've seen that Lego smashed into a thousand pieces on the floor. Yeah. thinking, why did you do that? And it wasn't our doing or their doing. That was just the simple way that it was meant to occur, right? So then... Sure. And I mean, it's, that's a beautiful metaphor because like all the pieces are there to build up, to build something different. You know, and we we have that opportunity at every moment in our lives. And, um, you know, I, I think it's really interesting, too, like when we talk about financial abundance, because, you know, money is just energy and money sitting in your bank account or like even if there's a big pile of it laying in your house, it's absolutely worthless. It's just paper sitting there right? It's the potential that's within it that has value. And it, you know, money is actually only valuable when it is in flow, right? And so if we can think beyond like, oh, I want, you know, a million dollars in my bank account. Well, what is it that you want to use that money for? Like, usually it's, it's freedom, or it's experiences, or it's things, or it's access. But there's a lot of different ways to get those things. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go out and become CEO of your new tech startup or whatever and do an IPO and make millions or billions. Um, if we can really get clear on why do I want that money? What is it that I want out of that? Like, what's the type of lifestyle that I want? Um, you know, one of the things I think is really interesting, I live outside of Chicago and it's expensive here. And I moved here from North Carolina and 
the house that I had in North Carolina was the same size as the house I have here. My house down there was on a bigger lot um, than the one that I have here outside of Chicago. But the house here cost, I, I think it was more than four times as much. And so, you know, just the experience of living in a home, I had the same experience there as I have here. So did I really need, you know, a lot more money to have that experience, right? I, I mean, I, I'm glad that we moved here, but um, it's, you know, everything is relative, right? And you don't always have to even make the money to have the experience, you know? And so if we can kind of like peel back the blinders and stop being so fixated on, you know, money, abundant, you know, thinking that abundance equals money, Abundance equals the experiences that you have in your life. And yes, money can be one way to have those experiences, but there can be other ways of having those experiences. And if we can open up our minds a bit to, you know, start looking at a greater realm of possibilities, we may find that we're um, enjoying our lives more. Uh, we're getting the things that we crave and that we want, but maybe just not on this like predetermined, you know, oh, moving up the corporate ladder path or, you know, being the next tech, you know, superstar. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think we can come back to this topic in a minute, but before we do, I've been staring at your bookcase in the background. <laughs> which has a certain book on it, which I believe is winning the game of work or yes. work. Yeah. Um, you're an author. I'm assuming that's the book you've written. That is the book. Yes. Okay. That's the book. Great. Why don't you tell us a little about it? Yeah. Well, the, the entire um, title is winning the game of work, career, happiness, and success on your own terms. And I wrote this book to share what I called the unwritten rules of work with others because I was a first generation college graduate, uh, went into the corporate world without any you know mentors or guides to kind of tell me this is how, how it works. And I really struggled in, in the early years with um, moving up in the way that I wanted to. Uh, I felt like I was working really hard and I wasn't getting ahead at the pace that I felt like I had the capability to do. And, um, you know, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. I was lucky enough along the way to have some mentors who, you know, pulled the curtain aside at work and started pointing out to me what was really going on around me. And, um, you know, I think that most people approach the corporate world like, hey, I just show up and I, you know, I just come in and I make the widgets or I crunch the numbers or whatever. And I go home and I get um, you know, I get my paycheck every two weeks and um, after a year or two, I'll move up to the next level. And that is not how it works. <laughs> um, I really think that uh, people need to understand that, that you need to approach work with a strategy and to really look at it as a game. And I see a lot of folks as, as they move up the, the ladder that when they're presented with challenges, their first instinct, particularly the high achievers, is to double down, to do more, to try to go faster. And all that really leads to is burnout and unhappiness. And I encourage people that I work with to zoom out 
you know, to really look at uh, work as a game and zoom out so you can see the whole playing field and see what are the other players on the field doing, right? Like what's their strategy? You know, what what's my strategy for moving things ahead? And, uh, you know, one of the other things that I, I, I heard this along the line and I, I can't remember even who I heard it from, but I, I love it. And it's that there, there's really only three ways to add value in a for-profit organization. And that is that you're helping the company to make money, save money or reduce risk. And, you know, I, I think that most people would say, but Hey, I'm doing marketing or I'm, I'm doing sales or I'm doing HR or operations or whatever. And that's fine. That's like what your function is, but how is that supporting one of those three areas of value. Um, if you can tie what you do every day to that, or if you can, you know, kind of peel back the blinders from crunching the numbers and say, you know, okay, this might be what I'm doing today, but how does that contribute to the overall success of the business? That's when you start to have those aha moments of, you know, being able to innovate or find uh, better ways of doing things. And if your goal is to move up and to be paid more and have more responsibility, those are the places where you're going to find the opportunities. So uh, this is just scratching the surface. I mean, my book is 380 pages long. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't know I was writing that long of a book when I was writing it, but um, lots of uh, tips from my own uh, career. I also uh, interviewed 11 people about their whole career journey uh, because I think that for a lot of folks, they can you know, believe that to move up in their career, it's gonna be just like this you know, smooth escalator ride. And it's not. And part of the reason why I chose the people that I chose to interview is because they all had successful careers, but they all had uh, big obstacles that they had to overcome, everything from getting fired multiple times to sexual harassment to being in hock to the IRS for, you know, six figures for, you know, uh, one guy, he had some amazing success with his business, but it was, it was really almost overnight. He, um, he had a storytelling uh, consult, uh, consultancy. Right. So he helped organizations like their salespeople or their marketers to tell better stories. And uh, he got discovered um, by some writer and they put him on the front page of the business section of the New York Times. So he went from, as he says, eating rice and beans for dinner every night to being flown out to Google's headquarters to run workshops for them, you know, flown on their private jet out there. And his success was so sudden that he didn't plan well for his taxes. And, you know, he thought he was living on easy street and then all of a sudden owed so much money to the IRS that he didn't plan for, but he, you know, he came out of it, but it's just like what I was saying before, um, you know, we learn things on the journey. Right. And uh, I, I just, I can talk about this book forever, but, the reason why I wrote it is to share my insights and others' insights and experiences with people so that they can learn to play the game of work so they can win. Yeah, amazing. The game of work, it's, it's such an interesting phrase because I also, just like everybody else out there, frequently suffer from the idea that it 
isn't a game and that it shouldn't be playful. Yes. Sometimes, of course, when I do think it's a game and I am playful with it. But what I'm trying to say is, is we're all a work in progress and I'm transitioning more into that mindset. And it's something that takes time. Um, can, I, can I just add something there? Because sure. um, one of the things that I see a lot is that when things happen at work, people will take it very personally, right? They'll, they'll, you know, whatever it is, they don't get the promotion or they don't get the job or their boss gives them some feedback that they didn't expect. And they'll take it personally. And maybe like their internal dialogue is a little bit like, I'm not good enough or, you know, they don't like me or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, it's something negative. But, you know, if you think about, um, you know, if you're playing uh, soccer or football or, you know, whatever, we're all everybody who's on the field is trying to score right and if you get bumped or jostled or whatever we don't take it that personally right because we understand that everybody is trying to i mean we might not like it right if you're playing soccer and somebody comes up and bumps you and knocks you down or they come and steal the ball um we might not like it but we don't take it personally we don't say oh they did that because they don't like me you know, we we understand that they did that because they're trying to score also. And if we can, you know, take our, you know, feelings out of it and just play it more like a game, I think that we'll find that we're more resilient, right? I mean, we're still we're still gonna have our bumps and bruises, but hey, it's part of the game, right? I, I've worked with some people who, um, they go in to work so vulnerable and they'll they'll go in and they'll play hard but then when they get slammed they're like oh you know they didn't understand me and i'm like you have to understand that this is a game for big boys and girls right like this is not people are not going to treat you with kid gloves right they're there to run a business right you're you're one of the resources within the business don't expect that people are going to you know, coddle you or that they're always going to think about your feelings, you know, and it, so anyway, that, that's part of why I'd like to reframe it as a game, because for a lot of, especially for a lot of people who are high achievers, they're competitive, mm. you know, and I think that they can relate to that. I'm going to choose not to add to it right now because it might be sharing a little bit too much uh, in too advanced time, but I've got something coming up. Um, would you like to read us a paragraph from a page of your book or, or, or two paragraphs? Oh, my gosh. Let me see. There's so much. Um... How about page 214? <laughs> did you did you pick that one uh or is that random or did you find I was that doing my research last night Terry. I was doing okay it. let's see <laughs> um okay um all right we are our stories storytelling helps us tap into our potential to change our trajectories you get to examine the things that got you where you are for better or for worse and to reframe the narrative so you can create a future for yourself grounded in the essence of your values. We are our stories. Whatever story you're in will give you the results of that story down the line. You need that story to evolve if you want things to be different. 
a lot of times people think that they know who they are, but really they've spent a lot of time defining themselves in a somewhat narrow capacity. The work I do is oriented around pressing people to expand the things they truly care about and value. I don't mean that in a hokey way, but in terms of what they're looking to create. I can keep going if you want. <laughs> Yeah, don't end there. You got me hooked. <laughs> okay. It's not about what you're not. People often define themselves in kind of an antithetical, antithetical way. They talk about what they aren't rather than what they are. People will say, I'm not a corporate person, but they haven't necessarily thought about what they are. What have they offered? That's the question. People often can easily identify what they don't want, but it's harder to say what they do want. They spend so much time trying to figure out what somebody else wants from them and conforming to that vision so that they will be tapped for some big job, but then they get it and have lost themselves. Um, I can see that you've uh, written a great book because that was not only very well spoken, but very well penned. Um, thank you for sharing. Well, that. thank you. Thank you. It's, um, yeah, I, I think that it really does kind of go back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, if we can really understand that we truly are worthy and that quite frankly, anything's possible. You know, I think that a lot of times when we think about work with, that we think like, oh, well, there's this box that I have to fit in. And that's not necessarily true. I mean, I've seen, I've worked with a lot of people in job search that were able to um, sort of create jobs for themselves at organizations by really getting curious about what are the problems that that organization has and talking to the, the um people at that organization about how they can solve the problems. And then they, in some ways, build a bespoke uh, role for themselves rather than, you know, them going in and saying, okay, a company has just put a bunch of problems into a box and they want somebody to come in and solve just those specific problems. I mean, you know, there are infinite ways that, that organizations can structure and assign responsibilities to solve their problems. It, you know, it doesn't have to be very rigid and, you know, within a black and white structure. Um, so if we start to think a little bit outside the box, sometimes we can find opportunities, even at our current employers to, you know, um, influence people to give us a role that's a better fit for us. Absolutely, which <clears throat> just goes so well with something that I'm frequently saying. Are you a problem creator or are you a problem solution? You know, like by saying they don't have this role for me, you're creating a problem. Mm -hmm. By going to management and saying, I'd really like to work on this, but we're not actually yeah. looking at it. Can I provide you with some thoughts on it? You're mm -hmm. creating the solution. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a massive thing. I, I say a lot of times to my clients, like, if you see something, say something. Because if you're working in an organization, you may be the only person that sees an opportunity or sees a risk that should be addressed. And 
you know, if you can make a business case to change a process or to take on more responsibility or something like that, often leadership is only too happy to to do that because, you know, if somebody is at a, a higher level in the organization, they they can't know everything. They don't see everything. And that's actually a big blind spot with a lot of people that they think, oh, well, my boss is responsible for my career advancement and they'll just assign things to me. But no, I mean, if we go back to that, you know, helping the company make money, save money, reduce risk, if you're in a role and you're like, you know what, why do we have these three steps in this process? This hasn't kept pace with, you know, we got a new system put in place and we're still doing this process the same way we did before we got the new system. If you see that, go to your boss and say, hey, what if we cut these out of this, this process, right? It would save us time. And if you save time, you're saving money. And if you're adding value in that way and you're allowing people above you in the organization to see that, they're going to start recognizing you as a leader, even if, you know, you're just an individual contributor um, because they, they recognize that you're trying, you know, you're not just coming in and, and taking direction, but you're coming in and, and bringing your brain and thinking and looking for opportunities to improve how the organization operates. Absolutely. It's interesting also how so many people have that tunnel vision of how they think they are being looked at and therefore how they should act, particularly yeah. in a corporation structure, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's one of those things, as you said, are you bringing value to the table? Or are you merely just being part of the value already at the table? Yeah. A big difference in, in those two things. And consequently, it's leadership, I believe. Um, for any, we're talking quite a lot about corporate. For anyone out there that is an entrepreneur, maybe mm -hmm. you know, the pandemic has looked, them, looked for them to live or seek a different lifestyle so they've left corporate mm -hmm. and they're, uh, they're in their entrepreneurial you know phase one or two how, how can they create the time to gain the perspective of all these different roles because as entrepreneurs we're used to being 10 role holders all at the mm -hmm. same time. Yeah, and yeah. I think for any entrepreneur, if they did have a natural block or blinder, it's going to be the fact that they are holding the 10 roles. So yeah. I I can relate to that tremendously, right? Because I'm an entrepreneur and I have the help of a part-time virtual assistant. But so, you know, I'm delivering the service and doing all the other stuff. Um, you know, I think it, it is a constant struggle, but I think it's one of those things that it's important. Uh, you know, there's actually a tool that I introduced to all of my clients. It's called the Eisenhower matrix, where on one axis, there's urgency and on the other axis, there's importance. And when something is urgent and important, of course, that's what it's at the top of our list, right? You know, the house is burning down, you got to put the fire out, right? Like that's urgent and important. Um, but usually what people 
gravita gravitate towards next is the things that's urgent and not important, right? It's the, the dinging email or the ringing phone or the, you know, um, complaining customer, whatever. Um, we're focusing on that, but what tends to get put on the back burner is the important but not urgent. And usually that doesn't get looked at until it's urgent, right? It's gotten to the point where the deadline's tomorrow. Oh my gosh, I have to do this. And I think it's really important for us to use that as a filtering tool for all the things that we need to do and, uh, and to do this on a regular basis. Right. So whether it's, you know, looking at your to do list every day and reorganizing it to make sure that the important things are getting focused on and to, you know, maybe think a little bit outside the box about how can I get support? I mean, and like I said before, like I'm a solopreneur um, and I um, a lot of what my virtual assistant does is um, helps with social media. Right. Because, I mean, that's urgent. Right. Like social media, you got to be out there every day. Right. Um, but if she understands how I want her to engage on my behalf on social media, she can do that for me. And so I'm not like sucked into that vortex. I can remain more focused on the things that only I can do. Um, but it's not it's not an easy balance, but it's something that you just have to keep going back to and saying, OK, you know, maybe I got pulled into more you know, urgent and not important things today, but I'm going to refocus on the things that are important. And I think just doing that on a daily basis or, or at least on a weekly basis uh, can help maintain that focus. Yeah, um, it's, you know, it's really funny. You're holding the reins, right? And if you're riding a horse, you often just want to, pull back on those reins to take a second to look at the terrain and where you're going and what's ahead of you and what's to the side and, you know, just take a second to acknowledge. And entrepreneurs particularly need to take hold of that rein and just pull back on it a bit more frequently to gain that perspective. Um, so it's uh, it's really, really interesting. This is such an amazing conversation. Um, I'm just so grateful for you, Terry, to share with us uh, so much value, so much knowledge, so much wisdom. I'm sure you and I could carry on talking for another few days or hours even about <laughs> this because I know I'm certainly passionate about it. I've just got uh, two last questions for you. The first one is, if anything you have said or done with your book or whatever has resonated with any of our listeners, how can they get in touch with you? Well, they can go to my website, which is terrybmcdougall.com, and they can check me out and set up an exploratory call with me there. They can also link in with me on LinkedIn, and my handle there is Terry B. McDougall. And then I didn't really mention this, but my career in corporate was all in marketing before I made the shift to become a, a full-time coach. And I still have a, a toe in the marketing world, and I have a podcast called Marketing Mambo, uh, where I talk with 
people in and around the world of marketing, um, even if you're not totally into marketing, they're all super interesting people. So you can check out Marketing Mambo at its website, marketingmambo.net, or it's on all of the podcast platforms as well. Awesome. And um, my final question for you is, what does stay outstanding mean to you? What does outstanding mean? Stay outstanding. Oh, stay outstanding. You know, it really means, I think, getting in touch with your authentic self and standing in the power of that. It is not about comparing yourself to other people. It is about being everything that you're capable of being and finding the amazing power and joy of being your full authentic self. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you, uh, Terry. I really appreciate you. Gavin, I appreciate you. And thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the content and got any value, please do like it, rate it, follow, subscribe, and leave a comment. You'll find us across all the social media channels, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. It's been my privilege to host you today. I'm Gavin Scott. Until next time, stay outstanding.